Welcome back, history fans. So if you remember last time, we left off talking about some isms and the Russian Revolution and so forth, and that was for the most part right after World War One. And I know what you're thinking, wow, World War One. there's no way they can be a sequel, but just like the movie industry, we're out to make more money, so World War One becomes World War Two. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about World War One. a little recap here of kind of where the world is left and how it leads up to World War Two. So, after the war had ended, the Great War, the war to end all wars, if you remember, um, the big groups, the big three, kind of got together to figure out what was going to happen with the fate of Germany, because you remember how they were the ones who started World War One. That is me being facetious. Anyhow, um, and remember, this was the Treaty of Versailles that put in all these things and whatnot, and that kind of soured the Germans. So, uh, And if you remember, this was you know France, Great Britain, the United States, and Woodrow Wilson, part of the United States, he really didn't want to be that mean, because it was... France wanted Germany to be so weak they'll never be able to fight back, and that was uh, George's Benjamin Clemenceau. Great Britain wanted Germany to pay high amounts of money and treat them very, very harshly, and that was David Lloyd George, U.S., was like, hey, can't we all just get along? I want peace, and that was Woodrow Wilson. And for the most part, it was Great Britain and France that won out, so Germany was treated very, very poorly. So um, now there was some, some problems here, uh, and this is kind of a you know, widespread problem, not just Germany. Uh, so all these veterans that came back from the war, um, remember, this is a huge amount of war, a huge amount of veterans, and now we have to find jobs for these veterans. So that was kind of a, a big issue, because if you don't have jobs for these veterans when they come back, you know, you don't want to have some angry people just kind of sitting around with, you know, the knowledge of how to wage war and nothing better to do. So we'll talk about this a little bit more later on. Um, all right, all of Europe was messed up, so we have to rebuild everything, and that's going to be expensive and take time. Um, many nations owed huge amounts of debts, uh, and that means money, and the United States was one of the ones that these countries owed money to. And on top of that, you know, we have these economic problems of owing money and stuff like that. Well, that fed social unrest and... Um, there were some radical ideas that seemed a little bit more popular when everyone is not doing the best, especially financially. And then to top it off, we have the Russian Revolution going on, and this is um, spreading the fears of communism. And we'll learn more about that in U.S. history. So now to top it all off, during World War I, the United States loaned out a lot of money, as I talked about earlier. Um, well, when the United States wasn't doing the best and, and whatnot during, like, you know, the Great Depression era we're, co we're coming to for them, uh, the U.S. says, hey, remember we loaned you out money, mostly France and Britain, you guys owe us money. Well, there was high trade tariffs, which means there was high taxes on foreign goods. Um, so France and Britain couldn't really sell goods to the United States and make money to pay back money to the United States. So for them to get money they had to demand the reparations that Germany owed. And Germany owed around $33 billion in reparations. And if you remember, reparations were damages um, that they had to pay for, for things that they damaged during war. Basically, you break it, you buy it. So when the U.S. stock market crashed, all the investments that the United States was giving to Germany, that Germany was in turn giving his reparations to Britain and France, and Britain and France were in turn paying back the loans that they owed to the United States, and then the United States would take that money, invest in Germany. Germany would pay back to France and Britain. Britain and France would pay back to the United States. The United States would pay back to would invest in Germany. You can kind of see where I'm going here. It's a big circle. But when the stock market collapsed, that circle collapsed. So they lost tons and tons of money during this time, and the whole world went broke all at the same time. Now, uh, so all of Europe is 
messed up, doomed, bad, and poor shape and stuff. And to top it all off, there weren't many strong leaders left to kind of help the world, like, get back on its feet. You need some leaders here. Um, and for the most part, um, you know, there, there wasn't many around um, that the ones that needed strong leaders, there was no strong leaders around. And most of the strong leaders, they come from, you know, like maybe war heroes. Like, if you remember um, the Red Baron, well, you know, they had kind of been all killed off. And so, yeah, there wasn't many leaders to take over is what it comes down to. So the rest of the world is like, well, let's make sure that nothing bad can look like World War One could happen again. So they try to get everyone to, to, um, to sign the Kellogg-Brand Pact of 1928. And this basically said all countries that signed it said that they would not use war as a national policy, meaning if you got upset, you weren't going to use war to solve your problems. And, you know, this sounded pretty good. And, you know, a lot of countries, they tried to follow up by this and say, you know, that's a great idea. Let's have disarmament. And a disarmament means the reduction of armed forces and weapons. The U.S., Britain, France, and Japan, and other nations all signed the treaties to reduce the size of their navies. Um, but most of it didn't say anything about the size of their armies. Um, and if you think about it, you know, the one person who doesn't sign it, you know, in a world with no weapons, that guy who has one gun, you know, he's going to rule like a tyrant over everyone. So it, it sounded really good on paper, but it just ultimately didn't work. And if you remember the League of Nations that was designed to keep everyone safe, you know, uh, the United States, they had trouble getting people to sign it, um, you know, they added Germany and the Soviet Union to it. Um, it. Overall, it just there was too many problems, and it would it really would have been great if the if the United States had joined, because if the United States had joined, it would have given them like a certain level of legitimacy. They're like, wow, you know, United States, they're like the popular kid on the playground. If they join us, that means that our gang is cool. So, yeah, they never really joined. And if you remember, it was that military backup part. The United States didn't want to get pulled into another war because its allies were fighting. Well, we're going to see. That's kind of what happens anyhow. Um, and, and overall, the League just really didn't have a lot of power to enforce what it was, what it was angry about. So, for example, um, Japan invaded Manchuria. And the League of Nations is like, hey, Japan, don't do that. And Japan's like make me. And they were like, we can't. Um, and then all of a sudden we start seeing some other guys that start to make like a brand new army and they're not really supposed to because that Kellogg brand pack. And these bad guys that I'm kind of referring to are Hitler and Mussolini. So we'll be talking about both of those extensively here. So um, now if you remember 1920s, the United States, we kind of know it as the Roaring Twenties, but for the most part, it was a shaky recovery for a lot of people. In the United States, we were doing all right, but we didn't have any wars on our land. So everyone was trying to return normal, the markets, manufacturing, all that stuff. Um, and the United States, like I said, they were doing awesome because we were selling all the stuff that the hurt nations needed. We were the ones selling it to them. So it's like, hey, you need new tractors? America's got new tractors. So we were doing great, and we were investing in the rest of the world. So as long as we did well, the rest of the world did well. But then we have a problem, because America started to do a little bit of overproduction. And an over overproduction is a condition in which production of goods exceeds the demand for them, or also known as like a surplus. So basically what happens is we produce more than what people wanted. And when there's too much and there's too much extra lying around, prices go down. Think of it like Halloween candy. 
in November. No one wants Halloween candy in November, so the stores all dropped prices because they had overproduced the amount of candy. So um, even though demand was down, many factories and farms kept producing, and this would actually end up leading to the stock market crash or you know, the economy crash is probably more accurate, and eventually the Great Depression. Like I said, we're going to talk about this way more in U.S. history, but that's the quick version of it here. So desperate governments tried to protect their economies um, from foreign competition and goods. Remember, America's producing so much. And they started passing tariffs, which is a tax on imported goods, making it hard for people to buy things from foreign countries. And you know, money needs to be spread around in order for the economy to be healthy. And now that all these countries are not um, allowing things to be sold and bought and whatnot, it's causing a lot of economic hardships and an unstable economy that's going to eventually collapse. So, anyhow, um, as this, this the Great Depression basically spread throughout the entire world, a lot of people lost faith in the ability of democratic governments to solve problems. And this allowed for radical ideas to step forward, like fascism and communism. And that's what we're kind of leading up to, is the birth of uh, you know, Mussolini and Hitler and how their way of doing things appealed to people. So, um, moving on here, we kind of have covered some of the other countries, but we're going to, you know, we talked about the United States and the Great, Great Depression, but let's talk about some of the other countries and what's going on there before we get into Hitler and Mussolini fully. So Britain's economy was down um, after World War I. The German U-boats had really hurt their ability to trade, and so they weren't doing so well. The industry was hurting as well. Wages were low. Strikes were frequent. Unemployment was high. So things are not going the best. Uh, labor leaders gained support of the workers by promoting a gradual move towards socialism. And if you remember our socialism from our ISMS unit, this is where we're looking at more of a government-controlled and known thing, which democracies and socialism, communism don't get along. And then the Great Depression only intensified economic hardships of the country, which made socialism appear even better for the people, so to speak. Um, also, Britain had a problem with Ireland, because Ireland was under British control, and part of it still is today. And the big question became, should Ireland freed or not? Kind of like, you know, recently, you know, 2014, we talked about, um, should Scotland be freed or not? And this became known as the Irish question. And there was some uprisings and a little bit of um, some civil unrest, kind of like a civil war, and is mainly led by the IRA, the Irish Republican Army. And most of Ireland was eventually freed in, um, by 1922, but parts of Northern Ireland are still to this day under British control. And so the Commonwealth and Empire, and this is all of Britain and what they control, um, you know, kind of uh, retained their colonies, um, even though like Germany was made to give up theirs. And Britain still had a lot of these colonies, and, but for the most part they were self-governed. So it was mostly in name only, and there was a lot of economic ties with these colonies. Uh, it wasn't so much of, like, kind of the enslaved. And this was all part of the British Commonwealth of Nation. It was basically a collection of their colonies. And Britain at this time, their foreign policy, um, you know, after the war, they just started to kind of relax the harsh treatment of Germany. They still were kind of mean to them, but they were starting to relax a little bit because they were scared that if Germany was too weak, that the Soviet Union would kind of spread their communist ideals into Germany. Um, so they're like, well, maybe we shouldn't be too mean to them because we don't want them to become communists, which becoming fascists um, seem to be a little bit worse, retro, you know, looking back at things now. All right, so that's all Britain. 
let's talk about France. So um, the Great Depression hit France really hard as well. Um, and remember, they had that coalition government where they had multiple parties um, that George's Benjamin Clemenceau was able to kind of organize. Well, um, they kind of, once again, these parties said, well, we should kind of look towards more of a protection style of existence as, um, a la isolationism. And so one of the big things they decided to do was construct the Maginot Line. And this was basically a giant fortified wall that bordered uh, some of Germany and France. And it was fairly impenetrable, kind of. And we'll get into that when we talk about how Hitler attacked France. Um, and I know I alluded to the United States already, but um, we're going to go over a little bit more now, but like I said, a lot more next year. So, um, you know, we will go into this tons next year, but the United States, we were scared of communism. And with the birth of the Soviet Union, we had this thing called the Red Scare, kind of like the Red Army of the Soviets and Lenin. So we were limiting immigration into the United States for fear that they would bring, that immigrants would bring with them communist ideas. And the U.S. was doing great after the war, like we mentioned. Uh, we didn't have any battles on our land. And that time was called the Roaring Twenties. And standard of living was on the up and up. But then on October uh, 29, 1929, the stock market crashed and we entered the Great Depression. And so we weren't doing well. And then this guy, FDR, came along, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And he tried to kind of get us out of the Great Depression with a series of new programs designed to create jobs and rejuvenate the economy. And FDR named a lot of his programs part of the New Deal. And it gave, um, they gave the government a lot of power, which some people were skeptical of and said, hey, this is kind of socialism type stuff. And just to give you the quick version of this New Deal, um, it came up with Social Security, which was old age, old age pension, um, new jobs like the hydroelectric power facilities, um, the TVA, Tennessee Valley Authority, the Hoover Dam, which was, you know, started as Boulder Dam, and then, you know, he kept putting money into that, building parks, roads, and so on, um, those kind of things. Um, so that's the quick version of the United States. And what I want you to know about it is we were spending a lot of time trying to get um, ourselves back on our feet after the stock market crashed and we're entering the Great Depression. So we're kind of being isolationist, not hanging out with the rest of the world, so to speak. And we're going to stop there with this podcast just because I want to put a separate one of the rise of Mussolini and the rise of Hitler. So we'll kind of separate them. So this, hopefully you got out of this podcast, was just what was going on after World War One and how the League of Nations wasn't doing the best and how Britain was feeling, how France and America were feeling. And now we're going to get into Italy and Germany. So pick you up here in just a second.